But before we start, I gotta ask, Tanner, you ready for some football? You ready for some football? I mean, I don't believe in football, but otherwise, yes. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. And welcome to Loser Like Me. This is our Glee recap and review podcast. My name is Christina, and I like football, and Tanner likes scarves. <laughs> <laughs> and hi, I'm Tanner, and okay, listen. Okay, l- last night last night I went to a wedding reception, and of course, the music was popping, and the bussies were bopping, and of course, that means that every conversation has to be had at the top of your lungs. So, uh, my throat is still recuperating, and if I do cough up blood during this, you know, it's fine. It's whatever, you know? That's fine, that's healthy. That's the price of glee. Blood in, blood out. <laughs> Honestly, here's the thing. This is one of the episodes of this season that doesn't make me want to cough up blood. True. Very, very true. So, what did we watch today, Tanner? Um, today... Not today. Well, for, today for you. Yeah, today for me. Effective half an hour ago for me. <laughs> today for you, tomorrow for me. No! Uh, this episode is The Sue Sylvester Shuffle. It first aired on February 6, 2011. It was written by Ian Brennan and directed by Brad Falchuk. It aired immediately after Super Bowl Zilv. Zilv? X-I-L? Zilv. That's how it's spelled. X-L-V. Oh, okay. You know, like from Loki. I think that's 65. No, it, it must not be 65. I don't know. I don't know what L means in Roman numerals. I googled X-L-V and it just gave me the stock market. Oh, no. XLV Roman numerals, that's 45. Okay, 45. Thank you. I was also trying to Google it. And if you haven't noticed, this is the Super Bowl episode that aired after the Super Bowl and was about football. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts about the way this episode is timing and the way that time exists within this episode, but I'm going to yell about it at the end. Okay. Um, Before we start, I have to ask Christina, did you also watch the tie-in commercial? I did not watch the tie-in commercial. So there was, uh, in addition to the episode, while the football game was airing, Glee got, like, two commercials mm-hmm. that were two parts of, like, the same promo, where it's like, uh, Sue walks in, and she's like, I'm pleased to announce that I have helped your club ink a deal with Chevrolet that will allow each and every one of you to get the new Chevrolet car of the year car. And everyone's, like, super excited, and Santana is openly weeping, and then it cuts to the whole club singing, see the USA in your Chevrolet. Yeah. Because it's an ad for Chevrolet. Yeah. Did you know that the reason they had to do that commercial was because General Motors, who makes Chevrolet, uh, helped fund this episode? I did not, but that makes sense. Yep. They were like, we'll we'll pay for you guys to have a cannon that can eject a human from it if you help Uh, us sell cars. (laughs) A real human cannon. This commercial, as far actually, no, this commercial could be cannon. It is cannon compliant. (laughs) Ayy. Ayy. Um, But like, yeah, the first part is the musical number. And then it's like, what? Rachel's like, wait a second. If we uh, do an ad that was sponsored by Chevrolet, wouldn't that violate our amateur status and prevent us from participating in any future uh, show choir competitions? And then it's like, oh, what will happen? Find out uh, on the next commercial break of the Super Bowl. And then after the next commercial break, it's just Sue like, damn it, you're right, Rachel. And then she tears up the contract. And then everyone is mad at Rachel. And then they're like, well, the Glee Club can't get Chevrolets, but you can. Oh, no. Buy a Chevy. I, I, okay, I Buy a Chevy! Up, I, I pulled it up, and uh, I will watch it after we do the episode, because I feel like I need to see this. Okay. I probably saw it when the episode aired, but... The kids do do a good sing, because that is the premise of the show. Yeah, yeah, because they're good singers. So let's start out with a song where they don't sing. <laughs> yeah. We, we start the episode with just, like, a nothing number. It's California girls, but they're just playing Katy Perry's audio. And like, I say that it's a nothing number because it's just like, I just spaced out while I was watching it because it's the Cheerios trying to do all kinds of stunts. There, there's people doing like, doing like, like, like literal flame throwing and stunts and tricks. 
People are riding up and down ramps like it's the X Games on bicycles. People are wearing, like, cone bras that sparkle. I think I saw a guy in those, like, kangaroo shoes. Probably. And also, all the girls are in blue wigs. Like a Katy Perry. Like a Katy Perry. That's her natural hair. Look, she's not She's not a fantasy protagonist. She's not a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Sue is bored. And I'm like, yes, that's correct. See, I just put depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she has depression. She has clinical depression, and that is why she's bored. Yeah, she she's reached the point of depression where nothing that she does is bringing her joy anymore. Which, like, I didn't expect to relate to Sue Sylvester today, but... Do these pyrotechnic cone bras spark joy? <laughs> but yeah, when they get up with the number, she's like, This sucks. I'm not enjoying this. And Sue is like, Oh, I need to have more people be set on fire. Who wants to wear one of those suits where you can put it on and then you can have the suit be set fire to and then you survive? Which is just hyperbole. She doesn't actually say that, but she could. But I think then Quinn was something like, this is not good because you are not enjoying yourself. And then Sue was like, okay, I would like all of Cheerios to please stuff their bras with these uh, with these fake silicone breast implants. She refers to them as chicken cutlets. Because that's what they look like. Yeah, yeah, because that's what they look like. And then she tells Brittany... Brittany, slap yourself with a chicken cutlet. And then she doesn't even laugh. And then she's like, Santana, slap Brittany with a chicken cutlet. And it's just real weird. And then Quinn calls her out again. She says that she's only ever interested in topping herself. And she never tries to do something good. It's always the next spectacle. And Sue's Mm -hmm. like, maybe you're right. But also maybe slap yourself with a chicken cutlet. Yeah. Glee. Glee. Football. Football. It's Finn. He tells his team, you guys are my crew, and this is our squad, and we didn't even have to win this game to get to the championships because of, you know, sports rules. They won enough games in the regular season of play that at this point their spot in the championships is assured. So they don't have to win this one, and it's okay if they don't. But they're like, well, why don't we just try to win it anyway? And Karofsky's like, yeah, gay singing, And... He says something about Finn being butt buddies with Kurt, and I'm just like, I would have just put a- I would have put a foot on Karofsky's chest and booted him backwards into the ground. Well, well, Finn does that metaphorically, because he's like, you know, Karofsky, you're always making cracks about everyone being gay, but I've never seen you with a girlfriend! And Karofsky Mm -hmm. is like, oh, y'all, you know what? That uh, linebacker over there looks real big and strong. I'd hate to get tackled by him. Yeah. And so Karofsky throws the play, and the other team's able to score and win. And then, like, in the locker room afterwards, Coach Beast gets real upset, as he should. And he's like, what happened? And Finn is like, Karofsky sucks, and he's a weenie. And Karofsky's like, I hate Finn because he's in Glee, and I think that Glee is dumb. And Puck is like, what the fuck you say about my Glee? And Karofsky gets slammed into a locker, and Coach Beast calls him all a bunch of babies. Also... There's a new football boy here. His name is Strando. He only appears in this episode. And he basically is like the comment, making snide comments alongside Karofsky and Azimio. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, dancing is embarrassing. Liking songs makes you gay to like music. But the fact that this was a new named character had the entire fan like, who is Strando? What is the secret of Strando? Is Strando going to be the new Karofsky? Is Karofsky going to join Glee because there's Strando replacing Karofsky on the football team as the bully? <gasps> Secret Strando knowledge. Was Strando the one with, like, the fluffy hair? Yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't catch his name. I don't even know if they say his name on the episode, but he was cast as Strando, like, in the cast list. Huh. Okay. Good for him. Oh, apparently it's Christopher Strando. Ah, but as they do in sports, they just kind of shorten the name a lot of the time. Exactly. Strando. Karofsky. Azimio gets a first name. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways... Beast is like, y'all are terrible, and if you keep acting like this, then you're gonna lose, and I hate you all. Goodbye. Yeah. And then we get to see uh, Sue Sylvester with some regrets, because... <laughs> uh, you mean Sue Siv Lester? Yes, Sue Siv Lester, because she she's journaling, and she's like, oh, I got a back tattoo of myself just to try and feel something, and it turns out that the tattoo artist misspelled her name as Sylvester. Instead of Sylvester. But then, 
Sue takes another step towards the realm of this just being who framed Roger Rabbit and borrows an idea from a Felix the Cat short about getting shot out of a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> she she sees this this cartoon of Felix the Cat being shot out of a cannon and she's like, I have an idea that I'm going to plagiarize from this cartoon short. And then it cuts to her and Becky on the football field with a comedically large, like, circus cannon. And she's talking to the sales guy who's like, oh yeah, like, if you pack in enough explosives, this thing could shoot you over several football fields, but with a 70% chance of catastrophic failure, which then Sue spins to be a 30% chance of catastrophic success. (laughs) And then she pushes the button on the side to do a test run and fires the poor technician through the football uprights and in, thankfully into a crash net. And my note here was that poor stunt performer. I hope they only had to do one take. I mean, I don't think anyone actually got fired out of a cannon. Yeah? I'm, I'm pretty sure they could have just, like, done a heave-ho and, like, thrown him manually into the net because it's not like the camera tracks him all the way from the cannon to the net. That's true. It, it is three separate shots of the technician leaving the cannon a shot from the ground looking up of him, like, arcing through the air, and then a separate shot of landing in the crash net. Movie magic. Movie magic. I just hope that the stunt performer's okay. That's all that I care about. <laughs> and then the next scene is just, Artie gets slushied. That's it. Yeah, the football player's like, we were doing the math, and we realized we never slushied you. And and Artie's like, but you, you wouldn't slushy a guy in a wheelchair. And they're like, nope, equality. <sighs> and then we get to cut to... Will and Coach Beast having lunch, where I would again like to know if the Coach Beast for lunch is eating an entire rotisserie chicken. All chicken. <laughs> he mentions that, like, they really need to win the football game because winning improves community morale, like, reduces crime, promotes general happiness and stuff. And like, okay, fine. But he then says, if you can't rely on talent, you rely on chemistry. And I think that can apply to podcasting, too. Yes, that can apply to anything. <laughs> Yes, very true. Because are we good pastor uh, pastors? I mean, I don't. I don't think I'm a good pastor. <laughs> are we good podcasters? Maybe, but are we besties? Yes. Yes, and Will then is like, okay, but then how are we going to build chemistry? And he's like, but wait, I have an idea. And Coach Beast says, are you going to try to kiss me again here in the lunchroom in front of all of our coworkers? Right in front of my chicken. <laughs> But thankfully, the answer is no. And as Artie wheels into the choir room, and everyone's like, oh god, they killed him. <laughs> oh no, Artie auditioned for Carrie. <laughs> but no, he didn't. He just got slushy, and Finn has had enough, and all of the football kids leap up to go all Thunderdome on the remaining football team members, but then they all walk in, armed with slushies and dangerous. And my note here is, good yeah. in trouble, hey nah, hey nah. <laughs> and then Will and Beast come in and they say, Guys, can we just get beyond Thunderdome? Yeah. And they're like, We're going to get beyond Thunderdome by having all the football team join Glee. And there's immediate resistance. And I should point out here that the Glee kids are in the right because they're like, We refuse to associate with a known homophobe who bullied one of our friends out of this high school. Who bullied Finn's brother out of this high school. Will's counterpoint is, we are going to sing the homophobia out of Karofsky. (laughs) Sing the homophobia away. Will's basically saying, now the football team is in the Glee Club, they are all minorities. Oh no. And just like, I don't know about you, Tanner, but I don't think this is a good approach. Like, it works out for them over the course of the episode, but I don't think it's a good approach. I'm... I'm on the fence because it does end up working, and yeah, I think a lot of the resistance from the football team side is played up, and mm-hmm. it it the, the main really the main issue is Karofsky, and that as bad as Karofsky is, that like it's kind of been demonstrated that no one else is as bad as Karofsky. Yeah, and also that's maybe it's rough for the Glee Club, but it's definitely something the football team needed because like the football team threatens to go on strike essentially. And Mm -hmm. they turn to Beast and like, without us, you have no team. And Beast says, with you, I have no team. Yeah. 
Yeah. You you have managed to eke by on luck alone to get to the championships, and if you do not figure out how to be decent human beings, we will get our asses handed to us. Yeah. But yeah, Will is like, you know what, I'll help you all understand the point of the Glee Club. If Rachel and Puck sing a song, if they sing a relatively country song, that you guys will recognize. And so they get up and they perform Need You Now, which I think is by... The band whose name I don't think the band whose name we can't utter, and I don't know what they're currently calling themselves. No, no, we're we're allowed to utter it. It's it's not a slur, and also I need to say it because there's layers. There's layers to how cringe this is. Because <laughs> before they sing, Azimio, who is black, says, "I am not singing any show tunes. That's the songs of my oppressors." And like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of that line, but just keep that line in mind that Azimio said, "No show tunes. That's oppressive music." And then Rachel and Puck stand up and say, great, we're going to sing a song by the band Lady Antebellum. Lady era when we loved slavery. <laughs> yup. The chicks are better. The chicks have always been better and they will always be better. The chicks have always been better. Also, also Lady Antebellum, they're like, wow, did you know that police brutality is real? We're going to change our name to Lady A. And then the actual black blues singer, Lady A, said, no, I am already Lady A. And they said, it's so sad that Lady A won't share the name with us. Now we're going to sue her. Oh my god, I hope their suit gets dismissed and that she gets lots of money paid to her. I hope so too. It is still ongoing. Let's hope. Anyway, this duet is just... It's fine. It's it's fine. It's as good as it could be for a Lady Antebellum song, and I'm gonna keep referring to them that too because the, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna bear that shame. Yeah. But also, Lady Antebellum is is so bland. It's their yeah. fault we had to go through like three years worth of stomp clap hey music. Hey, the oh hellos are good. <laughs> See, I haven't heard of them, which means you're probably right. I'm trying to think of other... Oh, the Lumineers. The Lumineers was the other band that I was thinking of. Yeah, they're boring. Anyway. They sing it, and Azimio says, the girl with the mohawk had a really nice voice, and it's just time for more violence. Yeah. Puck is like, oh, huh, that's funny. And then he immediately goes to smash his guitar into Azimio's face, and there's an immediate brawl. Like... It's just, it was just, it was delightful how soon all of them were willing to go to violence. The Gleeks are gonna start a brawl tonight. <laughs> Put a pin in that for, uh, for next season, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I have, I think I've got screenshots. I just like, I just want to call out like the best parts of the brawl scene. Cause I think it was like, everyone was immediately going to fight. You just saw someone's legs like flailing. <laughs> like all the football kids are immediately jumping up on their feet. Uh, Coach Beast has to reach in and stop Puck from smashing his guitar in someone's face. <laughs> Santana's about to cut someone. Lauren's <laughs> Isis is also about to wreck someone from the background. Good. Oh yeah, someone is literally like having to hold Rachel back by gripping her around the waist, and so she's just kicking freely in the air. The club should have chosen violence more often. These are all great looks for people. I would love to see Super Smash Bros. Glee. <laughs> <laughs> the Glee fighting game. Mm-hmm. Secret unlockable character is Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Gleek fighter. <laughs> That's just a tabletop game. Still working on it. We'll get there. We'll get there. The next scene is just Finn looks at a trophy case and Puck comes up and he's like, we gotta be friends again if we want to win the big game. And also, I promise I won't do any more duets with Rachel to make you jealous. That was a one-time thing. And they're like, okay, let's bro it out. <laughs> And then in the next scene is Sue presenting her Sue-clear weapon to the Cheerios. Becky christens it. <laughs> yes, yes. But she she cues Becky, who then runs in with a bottle of champagne and smashes it against the side. And this is the scene where I noticed that Sue was wearing the fur-lined tracksuit that Kurt picked out for her in the Christmas episode, which mm -hmm. was last episode. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, this is the new canon that we're going to use in the show. Brittany, I've nominated you for the role of Cannonball. And Brittany's like, but I don't want to die yet. At least not until One Tree Hill gets canceled. <laughs> Did either of us check when One Tree Hill got canceled? Absolutely not. Hang on, I'm going to quickly Google that. 2012. That year. The next year, it looks like. Right, the next year. Yeah, because this aired in spring of 2012? Spring of 2011? When, when yeah, was the air no, date? January 2011, right after the Super Bowl, January or 2011. February. Yeah, February 2011. Yeah, and okay. One Tree Hill ended the next year, 
But it was already going on eight seasons when this episode aired, and and yeah. it had a full time skip, and a transplant heart stolen by a golden retriever. Oh my god! Maybe we should watch One Tree Hill next. <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe that's the only show feral enough. <laughs> or supernatural, but that's a different kind of feral entirely. Uh, that's that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Anyway, since Brittany does not want to be shot out of a cannon, Sue's like, fine, I have a dummy that I'll use for a test to show you that it's safe. And then the dummy, of course, immediately gets blown to pieces because Sue didn't read the owner's manual, which came in German. And there's some <laughs> wonderful, there's just some wonderful reaction shots from all the Cheerios who are just like, we're going to die today. And Quinn is like, don't worry, Brittany, we can talk to Mr. Shu about it. And then my next note here is, I still love the sound of O Fortuna in the morning. Is it O Fortuna? It is O Fortuna. But yeah, it is O Fortuna this time because earlier when Sue got the cannon, the music was from the Japanese monster movie Godzilla vs. Destroya. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. But yeah, it's the this next scene is Will and Figgins telling Sue that she cannot blast somebody out of a cannon without their written consent. And she's like, well, every athlete accepts risk when they join a sport, but fine, I guess. And Will's like, she took that pretty well. And then it immediately cuts to O Fortuna being played as Sue just absolutely wrecks everything in like the secretary's office. And then she like shoves students out of the way and like hucks their belongings down the hallway and was like, oh, this is going to be a lawsuit. Figgins had mentioned that their insurance premiums were already high enough before Sue bought a cannon to shoot students out of. <laughs> And so then it cuts to Will talking to Beast in the locker room, and Will's like, oh, it was a nightmare. You really should have seen it. It looked just like... And then Sue walks in, and then O Fortuna starts playing again as Sue begins <laughs> the locker room. And Will uh -huh. and Beast are just like, oh, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, Sue is, like, dumping over the, the like, the gallon-sized jugs that the Gatorade goes in, and... She's like, she takes a set of football pads and she spins around like a tornado with them held out. She tries to like topple the weight rack, but she can't move it because it's covered in weights. And it's bolted to the wall, probably. So then she resorts to throwing medicine balls at the wall. And when one was too heavy for her to throw, she like kicks it futilely instead. Oy. And then she reveals that in Vengeance, she moved cheerleading's regionals. Um, because the Cheerios are going to regionals. She moved it to the same night as the football championship game, which means that now they aren't going to have anyone to perform the halftime show. Which, like, as someone who did go to football games in high school and who was not and is not interested in football, the halftime show was the reason that I went, and not just because my brother was in the marching band. As someone who did not attend a single football game during my entire education, the stunt team, which is what we called the cheer squad, was generally more popular anyways. Yes. It was It was very bring it on. Oh, good. But the good news is that same as last time, Will has a plan to solve this. And the plan is that they're going to do their own halftime show. Okay, so Will and Beast are like, football team, you will now be doing a sing and dance for football halftime. And we're going to be singing notable football halftime number, Thriller by Michael Jackson. And we're going to mash it up with uh, Heads Will Roll by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Uh, and Azimi mm -hmm. was like, what's a Yeah Yeah Yeah? And then Will is like, this will be great for camaraderie. Just like that prison in the Philippines that had all of the prisoners <laughs> dance to the Thriller song. Prisoner on Christmas Crime dropped by 80%. And I looked into that prison and apparently they made like a whole thing out of making the prisoners perform and they were making the prisoners perform. It was basically a zoo and a tourist attraction. And the whole thing reading it was just like, oh no, oh no, oh, this is deeply uncomfortable. Will, why are you citing this as inspiration? Because he's comparing Glee to a prison and they're being forced to perform by Ryan Murphy. Oh. He's sitting there in the back are like, what sexy. That And that basically can torpedoes the moral they're trying to say, which is basically, hey, if the football team just learned to appreciate sing and dance, then they wouldn't be mean anymore. But it's like, oh yeah, because you're going to appreciate the sing and dance at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you will appreciate the singing and dancing, or else. <laughs> you have to dance in the thriller number, Karofsky, or else Ray will have to dance in the thriller number again. 
Oh, God. I don't know enough horror movie maxims to plug in here, but fill one in for yourself, listeners. Hello, Dave. Wait a second. I'm trying. What does, what does Jigsaw sound like? Fuck if I know, Tanner. Do you think I've ever seen one of those? No, that's true. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to just go to shitty saw traps. Like, Dave, you've been a very naughty homophobe. You have to learn how to sing and dance. <laughs> or else you won't be able to play football anymore. <laughs> also, I'll cut your foot off or some shit. I don't know. I'm Jigsaw. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to zombie camp. Yay! I like zombie camp. It was fun. Zombie camp was actually extremely sweet. Uh-huh. So they've got all the kids on stage and, like, you have to learn how to be zombies. And everyone's just kind of mm-hmm. doing it half-heartedly because no one wants to be working together. And like, no, come on, guys. Put some life in it. And Dave's like, but we're supposed to be zombies. Then put some unlife into it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And that that was good. And then they do. Uh-huh. Artie does a thing where he's, like, getting dragged along by his chair. Mike has his, like, hand coming up to strangle him from inside his own shirt. <laughs> yeah, that, that just, that delighted me so much. And then, like, they're like, okay, gang, now that we've mastered zombie movement, we're gonna learn zombie makeup. And Azimio goes, no! And Beef goes, yes! And then Will asks Dave to hang back. And he's like, Dave, can you hang back for a bit? And Dave's like, Hey, I know I suck at being a zombie. I'm just trying to get through this because I'm miserable. And Will's like, yeah. no, Dave, you're actually extremely good at a zombie. And like, if you put if you put all your passion for being a terrible person into something destructive, <laughs> like, like being a zombie yeah. who do a sing and dance, th- yeah. then you'd be really good at it. And I think you'd like yeah. enjoy yourself more. And and Dave has this look. It's like, this is the first time anyone has said anything generally nice to me for the past two years. Yeah, Will Will goes up to him, he's like, have you considered investing all the energy that you spend in being homophobe on singing and dancing? (laughs) And so then it cuts to the zombie makeup section, and like Mm -hmm. all all the girls are doing the guy's makeup, or all the girls are doing the football guy's makeup, and the football guys are actually enjoying it, and you hear feelings like, like, oh yeah, this looks really cool, oh I dig this. Mm -hmm. And then Karofsky walks up to Finn who's doing his own zombie makeup, because you're in Glee, so now you learn extremely realistic prosthetics. Yeah, I mean, Finn dated Rachel for long enough that he probably knows how to apply adhesive to something and spirit gum to get it off. <laughs> yeah, but Karofsky walks up to Finn, he's like, hey, can we talk? And Finn's like, please don't be an ass. Like, Lee is just as, like, over this as the football team, and so just, let's just get through this. Mm-hmm. And Karofsky's like, no, actually... I think that, like, we should do a number together, like, just the football guys, to, as a warm-up. Because, you know, if I'm going to be singing and dancing, I at least want to be good at it. Yeah, yeah. And Finn's like, yeah, bro. And they're like, bro, bros together. Two dudes chilling in zombie makeup. <laughs> Five feet apart because one of them refuses to admit that he's gay. <laughs> one of them's not ready to come out as a gay zombie. Mm-hmm. Hang on, what was the gay zombie movie? Uh, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of stuff with zombies in it. TBH. Um. Oh, auto or up with dead people. Oh, right. That's also a gay porn. So that's probably why you don't know it. Yup. <laughs> that do it. Anyways. Yes. So then we cut to uh, Santana and Brittany and Quinn in the bathroom taking off their zombie makeup. And Brittany says, zombie camp was fun. It was with Glee and football. It was like a double rainbow. A zombie double rainbow. And then Quinn is like, but what what happens? Because we can't do both Glee and Regionals for Cheerios because they're at the exact same time. And then she's like, I'm torn. And Santana's like, I'm not. And Brittany's like, I'm Brittany! I'm Brittany! <laughs> I love Brittany. And then Sue Sylvester emerges from the bathroom after having apparently done one of her 2pm ninja poops. And she's like, well, it's a good thing that you're expressing doubt because I have prepared here your pre-written resignations from Glee Club showing that you refuse to participate in Glee Club and that you are going to be a Cheerio forever from womb to tomb. (laughs) And, And I think this is when we then cut to them handing their paperwork to Will showing their resignation or something and he looks disappointed. Yeah. 
Finn is also disappointed, and he uh, gets into a, an argument with Quinn, uh-huh. and she points out that, yeah, she feels terrible because, she yes, she does know that Glee were the people who were there for her when she was at her lowest last year, but also, like, labels mean everything in this school, and she needs to hold on what she's got if she's going to retain any kind of dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sam is like, excuse me, you cannot talk smack about my girlfriend. And, and I think at one point, Quinn says, like, oh, this is kind of hot, actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Finn's like, wait, what? And Sam's like, wait, what? I'd like to think that at this point the writers still weren't sure if they wanted Sam to be gay or not. Probably. Good thing he's bi. What the fuck is a bisexual? <laughs> Ryan Murphy didn't learn about bisexuals until he did American Horror Story. Yup. <sighs> so, yes, then Sam basically tells Finn that, like, maybe Glee needs new leadership. And I'm going to challenge you. We should, the two of us should fight for Glee leadership. Leadership, if you will. <laughs> and they don't do a Yu-Gi-Oh duel. No. They don't even do a, a gathering of the magic. <laughs> they just get into fisticuffs and Will is like, I have broken up too many goddamn fights this week. But then yep. we cut to uh, She's Not There. And it's all the football boys dancing while in their zombie makeup. And mm-hmm. it's a song by the zombies. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And also... Since it happens after Quinn cut the Cheerios, it's like, she's not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my note for this is that, because I was focusing on Dave, and my note is that his actor, Max Adler, he's good at dancing good, but making it seem like he's not sure if he's dancing good. Good. Good for him. Yeah, like, I, I give Max Adler a lot more credit than I give Karofsky, right now at least. Mm-hmm. Karofsky redemption tour. It's happening. We're making it happen. <laughs> I, I am still yeah, on Karofsky, but Max Adler is good. Yes. Like, I I think he was um, one of those actors who actually had experience with doing show choir before he joined the cast of Glee. Yeah, him and Jamal were the only ones, and Max never even gets to sing. Boo! Uh, but, but yeah, yeah so the football, the football guys are like, we did good, and Will's like, yeah, you guys did do really good. And so they're all, like, marching mm-hmm. down the hall in their zombie makeup. And, like, we're, we're so cool. We're zombies and we're football boys. And then yeah. the puckheads show up. Yes. And by that, and we they don't all mean, have mullets. We don't mean fans. We, by puckheads, Tanner does not mean fans of Noah Puckerman. They mean the hockey players. How are the mullets, Tanner? They all Rank have the mullets. mullets. <laughs> Rank them, please. I give them... I know. I give them all a mullet out of ten. <laughs> Well, now that now that football is lame because football is singing and dancing, hockey is better than football. And like, I agree that hockey is better than football. I'm not a big fan of football, but like, I don't have opinions on sports, but I do think that Rangers are better than people. Anyway, they all get slushied. <laughs> yep, they all get slushied, and then it cuts to the football team trying to wash it out of their eyes and. Karofsky's like, it stings, it stings so bad. And Finn's like, you could over it after a couple of hours. <laughs> and then the whole football team is, we can't take the, we, t- we took one slushy and now we can't handle the trauma of being in Glee Club. We all quit. We quit everything. None clubs. We've been discriminated against once and that's more than enough for us. Slushies don't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. <laughs> <laughs> it takes and it takes and it takes. Did I just make a Hamilton reference? No, I made it. And then you made it. And we both did. We're, we're both, we've both sinned today. I haven't even seen Hamilton. Neither have I. Anyway, speaking of sin, remember the Warblers? Yeah. It's, remember the Titans? No, the Titans are McKinley. But yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> remember, remember Gay Narnia? Anyways. It's fine. It's Bills. It is. It's It's fine. The the writers realize that over like ever since they introduced them, warbler stand culture has been going ape. Yeah. So like we need we need a warbler number in here. Don't care if it's not relevant. Warbler time time to warble. Yeah. It just I saw I think it was on Wikipedia that this number was added in as a late revision to the script. And like you can tell because it's really just like they show up and they do a sing and they're like we're gonna do so good at regionals, yay! Oh, and the also the other thing is like. The way that the post-Super Bowl episode works is weird because it's like, it de- the length of the episode depends on when the Super Bowl ends. 
So mm-hmm. their, their slot is just the Nebulous post-Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl goes into overtime, like an hour overtime, that still means that Glee gets to air immediately following the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. was like, if the Super Bowl ends at, let's say, 8.45, then Glee gets to start <laughs> at 8.50 and they get an extra 10 minutes. And so you can pad some of it with commercials, but also if you have any spare scenes, then you got to put them in there. But, like, if the Super Bowl had ended so that Glee only got a full hour, then this yeah. is probably a scene that would have been cut, because they didn't need it. <laughs> Does that mean that there's a cut somewhere in this episode where they don't do Bills, Bills, Bills? Probably not, because, like, this is going to be on the DVD, too, I imagine. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, it's so extraneous that you could easily, like, you, I could, t- like, rip this episode and edit it so that there is no Bills, 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 and nothing is lost. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very, very true. But yeah, it's basically just to remember re- remember you that Clayne is, and then yes. they go to coffee with Rachel and Mercedes Wait, for girl talk. The the only note that I have about Bill's 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 besides it was fine was that Darren Chris was doing the Darren Chris thing where he just he just he just cannot stand still during a musical number, and in this case, he was running up and down all the furniture. Yeah, he hates furnitures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He likes to be tall. Mm-hmm. He does, because he's he, he's not actually, like, short, but there will be a lot of jokes made about Blaine being a hobbit in the future. Mm-hmm. I remember the old lore. <laughs> Starkid didn't even ever do a Lord of the Rings. At least not videotaped. But anyway. Not yet. Starkid presents the Silmarillion musical. I would pay to see that, I think. I wouldn't. It would be four hours long. Yeah, they'd, they'd be fine. They condensed the entire Boy Wizard book into a series of three much better quality musicals. I'm just, this, the Silmarillion, the Silmarillion is basically a textbook, okay? Like a majority yes. of people who actually, I don't care about Lord of the Rings, but I still read the books because I was forced to. And I thought I had to, I thought like I had to, to be a, a real nerd. But most Lord of the Rings fans quit on the Silmarillion. It ain't worth it. Don't look directly at it. <laughs> if you decide to read the Silmarillion, uh, send us the Cliffs Notes. <laughs> anyway. Here's my notes on the Silmarillion. Long. Here's my notes on the Silmarillion. Did you know that J.R.R. Tolkien really loved his wife? Because he did. <laughs> Ultimate wife guy. <laughs> anyway, it's time for girl talk! And by that we mean it's Kurt and Blaine getting coffee with Rachel and Mercedes. Something that basically is just them getting together to talk and hang out. And I like the part where Mercedes refers to herself and Rachel as the stars of the William McKinley High School Glee Club. Because it's like, yes, Mercedes, you are a star. Yay. And they talk about how football is being terrible and Finn's upset. And Kurt, and Kurt is like, why doesn't Finn tell me any of this when I try to talk to him? By bringing him a glass of warm milk every night. And everyone is like, Kurt. Kurt says he lives with Finn. He's still with Finn, which means he's not rooming at Dalton. Which means that he it, he is commuting to Columbus every day for school. Jeez. Exactly. Kurt. It doesn't make any sense. No. No. He is down bad. Our commute every morning for a better communication. And that dick. <sighs> yeah. I guess. Is there anything gayer than commuting an hour for school just so you can take classes with your crush? Commuting two hours for school. Fah, you're right. <laughs> Back in my day, we had to walk uphill both ways to get to our Tinder dates. <laughs> I don't have a good add-on for that. Anyways, Rachel says that Finn probably hasn't said anything because Finn has been bottling everything up. And she's also like, by the way, Kurt, please tell Finn that if we were still together, I could definitely help him shoulder this burden. And Kurt's like, no, stop it. Yeah. And then Blaine's like, you know, you could still play football because all you need is nine guys total for high school regulation. And the girl's like, wait a second. Mental math. <gasps> we have an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut back to McKinley. Will and Beast are looking at the sign-up sheet, which is completely empty. And Beast is like, I cut 30 guys at the beginning of the season and not even they want to join. And Will's like, yeah, because it's like crossing the picket line. No one wants to be a scab, which is a weird metaphor. Also reminded me that I need to rewatch the replacements and try and figure out my thoughts about that movie. <laughs> the only the only football movie that I care about. I don't think I've seen the replacements, but maybe I should. It is really good, but it is also literally about how scabs are better than the football players because they're on strike. Okay, fuck that though. Never support a scab. 
Yes, but it's you forget it because the rest of the movie is so good, and so I need I need to figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is you're going to be doing a near episode on it. I will. I don't know much about football, but I'll figure it out for you. For you, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> uh, so then it cuts to the Glee Club, and Will's like, we, we don't know what we're doing now. Like, we might just have to forfeit the game completely, but we're not going to let them back in because we're also not crossing our own picket line of human decency. And the girl's like, we have a plan. We are now football. Yes. And the boys are like, but you're a fuck girl can't do football. And everyone's like, try me. And Lauren's Icy's Lauren's Icy's first of her name is like, I have several offers to go wrestle professionally after I graduate high school. You can fucking try. And the, like the girls say, we're just going to lay down on the ground and you guys can do all the heavy lifting because we believe in you. And like, at least you get to play then. And they're like, okay, I guess so. Yeah. Then we cut to Sue's office where she's got Brittany. She hands Brittany the sign, this consent form for her to sign to get fired out of a cannon. And also a note from the cannon saying that it misses you. Uh, yeah. She says, if you don't climb in that cannon, the routine will be all boom poom and no pal. And that, Brittany, is so 2000 and late. God. And then she tells Brittany that also the cannon has two baby cannons at home and the mommy cannon can't work because she has fibromyalgia. So this is the only way that the cannon will be able to feed its children. Jeez. So yeah, okay, sure. Brittany's like, how many M's are there in the letter R? I wonder if Brittany okay. was doing that on purpose. <laughs> Brittany is capable of doing a bit, but I think sometimes not even she knows when she is the bit. Very true. That's very true. But yeah. Finn tells the girls that they're he's proud of them because they're so much braver than all of the cowardly jocks who are just sitting in the stands glowering at everyone else. And he's mm-hmm. like, you ready to do this? And Rachel spits out her mouth guard, let's kick some ass! Wait, wait, wait. We, we need to establish the lead up, which is that the football boys who, the striking football boys showed up to the game and they're like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't play. We're, you're down this many players. And Finn turns and then we see like we see like the badass march of Rachel and Mercedes and Lauren and Tina walking in in full gear and then they're like oh god and then we can see that Rachel has three gold stars that she put across the front of her helmet and also that she claimed the football jersey number one because <laughs> of course of she course did of course she did <laughs> but yeah then Rachel like pops her mouth guard in and she's like let's kick some ass. But yeah, then the gr- they keep playing and the girls keep lying down and doing nothing and like uh-huh. it's not working. And so at a certain point the girls are like well Mercedes is like I want to die, just kill me. But Tina's like no, I want to play. I'm sick of lying down. I think I can actually do football. Uh-huh. And so in the next play there's a fumble and Tina sees the ball. And she's like this is my moment. My moment. <laughs> and she runs to get it. <laughs> Yeah. And she she almost do, does a touchdown, and but then she gets tackled. Tina gets so far. Tina for MVP. And then she gets tackled, and she goes down, and she doesn't get back up. And Coach Beast is like, oh shit, let's get first aid out there right now, right now. Let's go, let's go. There's a hush over the audience. The music stops, and Mike is like, Tina, are you okay? Mike is like, oh no, is she breathing? Yeah. And bless her heart, t- when they roll Tina over, she's like, did we win? That's like, oh, Tina, MVP. And so that's when Finn is like, okay, this isn't working. We, we're going to do some drastic measures. Uh, all right, boys, huddle up. Sam, you're the quarterback for the rest of this half. Puck, as soon as they call for halftime, you need to go rally the jocks. Because I believe in you. Don't don't do any this do, like what was Billy Joel. No, no Billy Joel. Just 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 shame them into coming back. Um, <laughs> And then Rachel's like, where are you going? I have to find some cheerleaders. Yep. And then we cut, to, do we do we cut to Puck or to Finn first? We we follow Finn as he goes to the bus and the unholy trilogy, like they're the last aboard and they're like, this this feels wrong. This, this ain't right. And Brittany's like, I don't want to die. And Santana's like, you'll be fine, probably. Oh, Santana. And then... Finn runs up to them. They're like, "Why are you here? Why aren't Why aren't you playing?" He's like, "I'm here to rescue you all from the from the crimes of Sue Sylvester." And they're like, "We don't need yep. to be rescued." But he's like, 
But see, the thing is that you joined Cheerios to be popular, but you joined Glee because you loved it. And also, one of the two organizations stands a lot less chance of causing you bodily harm. Will Schuster would not kill Britney S. Pierce. <laughs> mm-hmm. They, like, they do keep saying, that they're explicitly like, Britney will die if she goes in that cannon, and they don't even skirt around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he turns to Quinn, and he says, I know you. You don't think you are, but you're strong enough to do this. And Quinn just immediately agrees, like, alright, yeah, I'm Glee again. And he turns to Santana and Brittany, and Brittany's <laughs> like, yes. And Santana goes, yeah, screw Sue, she put me on the bottom of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. I'd like to note that Quinn is Quinn is immediately on board with anyone who, like, affirms her. <laughs> like, all someone had to do was tell Quinn that she was strong enough to quit the Cheerios, and she would have quit them, like, five episodes ago. Yeah. So then they're leaving, and Sue is like, you don't have time for a foursome. And they're like, nah, we quit. But you sign contracts. We don't care. But without you, I have no performance. And I can't remember who. I think it's Finn who's like, yeah, sucks for you. No, it's Brittany. It's Brittany who says that. <laughs> oh, good job, Brittany. Uh-huh. So they quit Cheerios. Hell yes. Hell yes. So then we get to go to Puck. Uh-huh. He's in the locker room with, I don't know why the other football boys are in the locker room, but I guess they're just commiserating there. I think they're clearing out their lockers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Puck storms in. He's like, y- y'all are cowards. You're so afraid of being called geeks or losers or gay that you'll settle for being nothing. Mm-hmm. And Karofsky's trying to convince them, like, but but if we go out there, the, the, he's trying to convince them, like, being, being called nothing is better than being called gay. And everyone else is like, no, we've been miserable this entire game, and also we hate seeing our team lose when we know we can win. And Puck's like, okay, well, as long as y'all perform in the halftime show, Beast will let you play. And they're like, okay. It's zombie time. <laughs> and then Karofsky's like, I can't. Yeah. Anyways, it's time. It's time. Christina. Yes. This number. This number slapped my tits clean into next week. <laughs> I'm sorry for the loss of your tits. It's so fucking good. It's very good. It's a very good, like, it's a very good musical number. And you can tell this is where a lot of their money went for the episode because it, it's it's phenomenal. Also, it does say on the wiki that uh, part of the the high cost of the episode was the elaborate costumes and special effects makeup for the Thriller Heads Will Roll Dance number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, like, everyone's got really cool, like, costumes. All the girls are in, like, kind of zombie dresses. And the guys are in, like, distressed and burned and dirtied sets of their football pads. And, like, of course, they've all got giant, like, lots of monster zombie makeup and stuff on, which is also so cool. And it's just, it's very good. Like, Artie takes the lead vocals as he will tend to do with the Michael Jackson numbers. Yeah, it's mainly Artie and Santana with Rachel doing some backup. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. Like, they incorporate the marching band. So they're, you know, like, like the marching band is, like, weaving in and out of the dancers, which is really cool. Yeah. And the crowd loves it. So, like, partway through, like, Dave was leaving. Like, he has his duffel bag and everything, and he's leaving. And then he sees the crowd going wild, and he looks at the everyone performing. He's like... <gasps> you know what, no, I do want to be a zombie. And he, like, he grabs his zombified <laughs> jersey and he, like, pulls it on and runs and he takes his place in the number and some of the guys look at him and he's like, yeah, it's Dave! <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it's just, it's very, it's very delightful. Especially because, like, it's one of those good musical numbers where it's like, you can tell that everyone was having a good time both in and out of character. And, like, like the audience, like, all of the hundreds of thousands, it feels like, extras that they have in the stands are loving it. And also, I want to mention that Finn gets to do, like, the deep part about, like, Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Okay, well, it doesn't sound like a demon, because you have to remember... With, like, his voice artificially lowered? You, you have to remember, it was Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. He's not doing, like, a demon voice. <laughs> yes, but they had to artificially lower Finn's voice. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Santana shrieking in the background. And, and uh, Kurt and Carol. Kurt and Carol are like in the audience and like, oh my gosh, Finn gets to do a Vincent Price. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Bert is there too. And Blaine. Yes. <laughs> the, enti- the entire future extended family showed up. Exactly. But yeah, they're all, they're all loving and jamming and it's good. It's, it's so good. It's very good. 
Real quick, I have some trivia from the wiki. So this, uh, apparently, this musical number took 12 hours to film. 12 fucking hours. <laughs> I wonder if they had to shoot this on a sound stage to keep it, like, in the same darkness the whole time. But, yeah, like, I, I think this was the most expensive musical number that they've done so far. And apparently they released two versions, one where Finn's voice got altered to sound deeper. The original single has Finn doing his basic voice, and then the one on the episode and the album had him uh, with the voice change. So that's all the trivia that I had, but just 12 fucking hours. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. All right, so then after the number, like all the boys run into the football or into the locker room and they're all cheering and excited and like camaraderie. Beast walks in and he's like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, oh, we're going to take off our zombie makeup before we play the next half. It's really itchy. And Beast is like, nah, leave them on. It'll freak out the other team and we need all the help we can get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's time for zombie yeah. football. Time for zombie football! They basically do like, oh, and also uh, Dave is like, everyone can play? And Beast is like, yeah, you were on the halftime. Everyone can play. And Dave is like, oh, I'm part of a camaraderie. Teamwork. <laughs> He's like, oh my god, I feel good about playing a sport for the first time in literal years. I've got positive affirmations. But yeah, on the football t- on the football field, like they're all kind of still acting like zombies and doing like the motions and stuff. After a scrimmage, <laughs> yeah. After a scrimmage, one of the uh, like the other team is like walking away. Is like he bit me. Somebody bit me. <laughs> and like when they when they realize that they're getting into everyone's heads, they all start changing like brains, brains. And it it does turn into like a more traditional football chant, where just the whole crowd is going brains, 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 brains. brains, brains. brains. Friends, they score, they win football! And then Finn and Quinn exchange a meaningful glance. They do. So anyways, time for Katie Couric? Yeah, time for fucking Katie Couric, but I didn't remember it was in this episode until I saw her name going at the beginning. And it's like, oh, you're the, you're the third big part of the episode budget. Mm-hmm. And she's here to interview Sil- Sue Sylvester, who is... The loser of the year, who is a who is a worse loser than the economy, Mel Gibson, Tiger Woods, and the nine percent unemployment rate, and Dinah Lohan, and Wall Street, and Brett Favre's cell phone, and Sparky Lohan, Dina Lohan's dog, who is also apparently a loser. I did have to message my friend Ryan and be like, hey, what did Brett Favre's cell phone ever do? And Ryan was like, oh, he sent a dick pic to a woman. Like, oh, hey. Ooh, oh no. And of course, because it was 2000, because it was 2011, they blamed the cell phone and not the person who sent the dick pic. Yeah, well, also, we, we also did commiserate over the fact that, like, Tiger Woods' whole scandal is, like, small beans in comparison to all the other, like, sports scandals. Because, like, Tiger Woods, everything he did was consensual. Yeah. Anyway, Sue's been uh, dealing with her losing out on her seventh consecutive national Cheerios regional national championship by drinking a lot of bleach. Good. And Sue Sue Sylvester is the only character who I would say good about that for. Uh, And then Katie explains to Sue that the rest of the Cheerios budget for the year has been given to the Glee Club. Because she also interviewed Will Schuster, and they do a little, he does a little like song and dance, like, oh my god, I'm dancing with Katie Couric. And then his interview portion just like, yeah, sucks for Sue. Got what coming to her. And he looks directly at the camera, which means that he's looking directly at Sue. And then it just cuts back to Sue, and Katie Kirk is like, do you have any comment? And Sue's like, I hate you, Diane Sawyer. Which is just bonkers. Then Karofsky congratulates Finn on the MVP, and Finn's like, thanks, it was a team effort. Hey, listen. Now that your homophobia has been cured, do you think we should take a day trip down to uh, Columbus and Dalton and just talk things over with Kurt? And Karofsky's like, absolutely not. Wait, he, Finn specifically says, like, like you can't join Glee Club until you apologize to Kurt, so let me know if you want to go oh, on yeah, a day trip. Oh yeah, that's right. 
Uh, and Croft is like, I'm absolutely not joining Glee Club. Just, Glee is not immediately popular just because of the, they were in the football game. People's memories for good stuff last as long as their Facebook status. And right now I'm on top. Why would I want to change that? Mm. Hun. Honey. And then Finn sees Quinn, who's in her civvies again. And she thanks mm-hmm. him for inspiring her. And she's like, it reminded me of why I fell in love with you. And then they kiss. And Finn blue screens, because she specifically says, like, thank you for helping me do the right thing. And he's like, you would have gotten around to it eventually. I just kind of sped it up a little bit because we were in a time crunch. (laughs) And she kisses him and he blue screens. Like, he literally, like, freezes in in the same position. And I'm just like, (sighs) And then the episode ends. (sighs) Yeah. All right. I would like to yell about time and calendars and how things work in Glee. yell Yell about calendar timing. Okay. So, I'm just going to look at episodes 9, 10, and 11. Episode 9, we had sectionals. Which is generally around Thanksgiving. Yes, which is like, which is maybe late October, but it's usually, it seems like it's in November. So we had that. Episode 10 was the Christmas episode. So it had to have been set in December. And now episode 11 has the game, which in theory... Following the logical progression has to have been sometime after Christmas, except for the fact that in Amer- that in that in the United States, that the football season is generally over by early December at the absolute latest, and that's if you go to the championship. So for some reason, they're still they're only just now getting to play their championship and division winning games sometime after Christmas. Which is absolutely not how any of this works, calendar-wise. And so I think the next time that Ryan Murphy decides to go anywhere near a high school, he needs to shadow high schoolers, or high school teachers, and learn how the fucking athletic calendar works. By this point, we are well into hockey and basketball season. Okay. I can't sum up the power to care about sports and sports calendars. It's okay. I just mostly needed to get it off my chest because it just it just okay. it just enrages me that the only reason that they were like we're doing another football plot is because they got an airtime spot after this after the fucking Super Bowl. Well, what would you expect them to do after the Super Bowl though? It's like uh, it's the Super Bowl and following Glee is going to have an episode about um Artie's horny again. I don't know. My, oh, okay, it could have been like a Super Bowl watch party episode, I guess. It, they could have done an episode on on like commercials. They could have done commercials for Glee Club. They could have done a tailgate party episode. That's true. They could have done a, a tailgate party episode, but no. Anyway. But so aside from you know time being out of joint and the ending, would you agree that this is generally a pretty good episode? I would. Yes. Yeah, I think it was pretty solid. I think we get to see the like the beginnings of Karofsky's character development. Uh, it had because it had that extra little bit of time. It had like a more natural progression of events, but the events were like b- bonkers, but not so bonkers that you're like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like I think if Ryan had been the head writer, it would have been stupid and long. But as it is, the only reason that it felt long is because I was trying to fit another recording around it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> But now it's time for us to talk about the specific things we liked. Yeah, I started, so you get to pick first, Tanner. What was your best song? Wait, do we do we do moment or song first? We do song first. Okay, okay. <laughs> my favorite song, my gold star song, is obviously Thriller Heads Will Roll. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know if you were checking the wiki, but apparently after this, after this episode came out, Darren Chris apologized to Beyonce because he felt... That he didn't perform the song to his best ability, and that no one could beat the original version. And he's right. Yes, he is correct. But I just appreciate that Darren Chris was like, yo, we should not, like, I should not have done this. <laughs> I, I didn't do as good as Beyonce, and I'm sorry for trying. <laughs> um, Christina, what was your favorite? Oh, absolutely, Thriller has a role. It has to be. Yeah. It was far and away the best musical number in the entire episode. <laughs> What's your gold star moment then, Tanner? I think my gold star moment is Zombie Camp. Yeah. I think that that whole... I mean, it's it's several scenes, but that that, that whole little section of the episode was really sweet. Because, again, we get to see 
Dave having character development and the whole football team kind of like softening and like I can't remember but I feel like even if the football team isn't the the like the best I don't think we actually mm-hmm. see them bully Glee Club this much after this episode. Oh, good, good. And so it's for for a majority of them at least, it's gotten to the point where they're like, okay, well, Glee still isn't cool, and we're not going to join it. But like, we've seen that they're decent people in there, and so we're not going to be dicks about things anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, this also means that I'm going to be eagle-eyed to see if the football team does do any more bullying because I'm going to be like, hey, hey, you stop that. You were friends. You were friends in episode eleven. Stop doing that. You're breaking continuity. <laughs> oh that's gonna be quite a lot for it's gonna be quite the thing to track tanner how about you what was your gold star moment my gold star moment goes to the true mvp of the episode tina tina cohen chang hell yes for starting the winning streak in football and for saying fuck your gender norms i'm going to although i'm going to do my best to start to score a touchdown i will not take this lying down rachel berry Honestly, the only way that that scene could have been improved is if she had managed to score despite getting tackled. Like, if she gets over the line when she's tackled. Because then you can still do the whole thing where it's like, oh shit, she like mm-hmm. she could be dead. <laughs> but And they're, they realize that this isn't working anymore. If we want to win, we actually have to get the pl- real players back on the field. But if she, imagine yeah. if she had managed to score. Gosh, that would have been phenomenal. But like, I would also like to give special mentions to the unholy trinity deciding to go fuck Sue Sylvester and her entire deal because we're going to go do something that makes us happy and does not involve bodily harm to our best friend slash friend. But also another special mention to the Glee Club just being like, no, we will not accept a homophobe into our ranks. We will not accept this person yeah. who is who is driven on our friend slash brother. I agree with all of that. Honestly, I did have a hard time picking a gold star moment for this episode because there was a lot of good in this episode. Like, this is why I messaged you after watching it and saying, hey, duets has competition. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're very true, you're very true. And so now we've talked about how good it is for slushy moments. Yeah, what's your worst, Tanner? So here's the thing, I, I considered doing either the Lady Antebellum thing or the uh, prison viral dance thing, but I passed on both those because when I thought about them, most of them are just cringe in hindsight. They weren't something, like that they actively decided to talk about during the episode knowing how bad they would be talking about them now. Yeah. Uh, so actually my worst is Quinn kissing Finn at the end because it has like no buildup. Ooh, yeah. And this is this especially comes on the heels of just two episodes ago, Quinn like taking Sam's promise ring and affirming how much she loves and cares about him. And so then what yeah. two, two months later... Like, not even. And she's like, but actually, Finn is, like, great, and he likes me, and he's tall, so I'm gonna start an affair with him. God. You could have invited him into a poly, and, like, they, they, Finn and Sam would have probably fought a little bit, but you, you're already into that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And in real, in real life, I don't, think, I don't think teens are developed enough to be in a polycule, but this is Glee, no. and everything is heightened, and you're already played by 26-year-olds, so go for it. Yeah. How about yourself? I would like to acknowledge that I agree with you absolutely on the whole Quinn kissing Finn out of left field thing, but I think I do have to give mine to the fact that Sue Sylvester was willing to explode Brittany. I don't know, I think that's pretty in character. <laughs> yeah, but it's but everyone was like so clearly like, Sue, if you put Brittany in that, she is going to die. And she's like, that's a risk that I'm willing to take. She's like, the, she's like the dark side of do it for the vine. <laughs> do it for the me. Do it for the Sue. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I cannot get over that. But hey, that's been basketball. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong sport, Tanner. Wrong sprot. They've done some lacrosse. <laughs> Boy, they really did that table tennis good, huh? All-Stars International Track and Field starring Pyramid Head and Frogger. And Mario and Sonic. No, they're at the Olympic Games. <laughs> they don't have football at the Olympics, do they? No. Because only Americans play football. And Canadians. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's because it's very much so a regional sport. They have, like, what the rest of the world refers to as football. And they have rugby. Football. <laughs> I think that's the end of the episode. We don't have a guest. We unfortunately did not have our guest this time around. But hopefully they'll be able to do uh, another appearance later in the series. Yes. But that means that it's time for us to finish this episode. 
Yes. And because I started, you could do the outro. Oh, that's what I'm going to try and do. <laughs> News are like me as part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. Uh, we can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through Loser Like Me Pod at gmail.com. As for current events, blast, shit's fucked. Yep. I feel like this episode is coming out after the Canadian election, but if you know me, you know you should have voted in it anyways. Yep, please, please. Regardless of the outcome, just... Please, please, if you if there's a chance for you to still vote by the time that you're hearing this, please, please do it for my friends in Canada. <laughs> yeah, uh, but regardless of the outcome, just keep on supporting uh, local marginalized groups and uh, grassroots organizations that support them. And keep uh, First Nations rights at in the forefront. Get fucking vaccinated. Yeah. I, I said it on Wayward, and I'm going to say it on here too. But like, if you're someone who is choosing not to get the vaccine for a reason that is not medically related, such as you have a legitimate medical reason to not get it, such as you've, you're going through cancer treatments, or like you are pregnant and we don't 100% know yet, like... If you don't fall under those categories, you have no good reason to not get it at this point. They just, at least the USDA, so in the United States, confirmed that the Pfizer vaccine is 100% good to go. You have no reason to not get it. And if you are choosing not to get the vaccine, you can kindly fuck off and stop listening to this podcast. And if you're taking the horse goo, I'm sorry, but you your life took a wrong turn somewhere. Like, and you can say everything you want about, like, misinformation and, like, not believing in science and American, like, centralism and all that kind of stuff. But at a certain yeah. point, you, you go up to the shelf and you buy the horse goo and you say, this is a better cure for the disease than everything that people say will cure the disease. The, at a certain point, you just have to say, come on! This is the point at which you need to fucking trust the science. Anyway... In, in a positive note, I just want to talk about this real quick, because there's something... Because tonight, when we are recording this, there is going to be a Wicked uh, celebration concert that's going to be on PBS right. in the United States. Uh, and it is starring not only Amber Riley of Glee, but also Alex Newell, who we will get to see in Glee in uh, two seasons, I think? Well, only one season, but more prominently in the season after. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, like, Alex Newell will also be on it, as well as other Broadway stars... Like, I think Cynthia Erivo and Ali Stoker, uh, who are also going to be in it, and they're all singing Wicked songs. It's going to be fucking fantastic. And you know who's not going to be there? Leah Michelle, which is also great because Emma Riley is singing Defying Gravity, and she's, she's already phenomenal. They did a teaser. So go listen to it if you have it accessible to you. Eat your heart out, Leah. <laughs> Yeah, surprising nobody. Amber Riley is already, she, she's phenomenal. And on a similar heartwarming note, uh, the next episode is Valentine's Day. Yay, chocolate day. Yay, yay, we're gonna find love. We're gonna sing some silly love songs. As a guest? Maybe. All right, I think there's nothing else to say, so I just, we should kind of, or gleek, we're gonna gleek out. Yes, we've run out of things to say. Three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed, missed on football. <laughs> football. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me Loser like me